Do you have somebody in your life who loves books? Somebody who not only loves books, but always wants to share what she's reading with you, thinking that you're just going to love her latest selection. (laughs) And inevitably, you just can't stand that book that they recommended. That's us. Mm -hmm. We both read a lot. Well, I don't even read. I listen. But we very rarely agree on what constitutes a good read. I enjoy books that build up new worlds, invite magic and mystery into our lives. Science fiction and fantasy rule. Hmm, That is not this book. (laughs) I listen to a variety, but it's all grounded in reality. You can keep your elves and space operas. This one is literally grounded. Literally. I see what you did there. Oh, good times. (laughs) Welcome to our podcast. You're making me read what? Your hosts on this monthly podcast are myself, Jessica, and my colleague, Christine. We're librarians who get a thrill out of a great read, but usually can't stand what the other person is reading. We've each selected some of our all-time favorite books, and each month we alternate between the lists with the goal of persuading the other to enjoy Mm -hmm. a read that she would never have picked up on her own. Even a book that isn't entirely your style may have some redeeming qualities to it, right? I guess we'll Probably. see. Is there a need to do a spoiler alert for this one? Well, sort of, okay. because the book is Creating Sanctuary, a new approach to gardening in the Washington metropolitan area by Sherry Mitchell. And the spoiler is that it's old. It's from <laughs> 1996. And um, as far as nonfiction goes, that's kind of old. Mm-hmm. Um, and I... I was such a fan of it when it first came out. It was transformational for me. Um, and I have used it as a reference. And I kind of forgot that some of the recommend, the plant recommendations she gives <laughs> may not stand up. For example, she recommends English ivy, which is now, no. now no. an invasive and we don't use it. So I would not recommend using it for the plant, all the plant recommendations. But I just think it's such a lovely, the spirit of the book is so lovely that I wanted to read it and discuss it with you because you're a gardener. I am. And normally our spoiler alerts are like, you know, uh oh, uh Betty Joe turned out to be the murderer. Right. Surprise. Right. There's okay, there's no murder in this book, if people were wondering. But English Ivy turns out to be a villain. That is accurate. You will <laughs> English Ivy, Vinca. Okay. Like there are things you will never get out of your yard. Um bamboo. Heavenly bamboo, regular bamboo. Any bamboo. All, all bamboo. All bamboo. Unless you're a panda. Right. Yes. And None of us are anthropomorphized enough to to no. qualify for that. So, oh, I like I like where this is twisting. Like, what <laughs> other plants can we like archetype? Mm. Like, who's the 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 daring hero? Mm. Who's the? Uh... Well, I can tell you what my hero is. Yes, I love me some Virginia Sweetspire. Yeah, it is my favorite. Um, uh, Bush, what mm-hmm. uh, want a shrub? Shrub. Um, it looks beautiful. Three seasons of the year. It loves being in Virginia. It's a native, mm-hmm. so it just it's so happy. It looks happy all the time, and it has these little like um, almost like the shape of a pussy willow, mm-hmm. um, but it's white, and the bees love it. And yeah. so my whole yard just buzzes with bees because they are so happy with that. So that's my hero. Ooh, I. I'm gonna say my hero is the redbud. <gasps> love I, it. I love a redbud tree. Yeah. Okay, we're we're getting too in depth. We are too early. We totally nerd dived on for, that for people who are not gardeners. <laughs> so both Christine and I garden, and um, 
we had chitty chatted about this a little bit in advance. You can tell the difference between people who enjoy being outside and being in their native environment and folks who do it because it's, you know, required. If you call it gardening or if you call it yard work. Yep. If it's yard work, you know, you don't you, like it. You pull out the mower, you make sure that your neighbors don't complain because you've got piles of weeds everywhere. If you're a gardener, you really look forward to that time you get to spend with nature and it's just refreshing. Yes. Like even so it's it's technically winter now, right? We're mm -hmm. winter. Yep. And it's not super warm out, but it's still so nice to be outside. Yeah. There's not as much to do at this time of the year in in Virginia, but being out there and seeing how the seasons have changed the plants that you have tended. Yeah. Just makes you feel good. Absolutely. I like it. I'm at the part of the year right now where we've got a lot of really tall trees mm -hmm. and they drop a ton of leaves. Mm -hmm. And we leave them down. Mm -hmm. Like, we're in a place where we don't have to, like, vacuum them up and put them out. Right. And the squirrels are hilarious. <laughs> so we have in my head what I call squirrel wars because we have uh, conflicting factions of squirrels that live Gangs. in our community. Yes. And they have different territories. Mm -hmm. And during, you know... The time when the leaves are on the trees, you can see little flashes of them moving around. <laughs> but you don't really get the full picture. When all the leaves are on the ground, you hear them because they rustle, rustle, rustle. Yeah. And I'll just go and sit on my porch in the mornings and watch them. And you, you pop a little ear out and you go, oh, oh they're over here today. <laughs> and then you turn your gaze and they, they're, you know, they're fighting over an acorn. They're running up trees and they're jumping around. It's hilarious. Almost better than TV. Not quite, but mm. close. Yes. Hmm. I'm not a fan of the squirrels. I mean, well, they're very entertaining. I feel like if I lived somewhere that didn't have squirrels, I would be fascinated by them. Like I would like <laughs> like, you know, the people that live places where there are monkeys and we think monkeys are amazing. And they're like, oh, I hate the monkeys. The yeah. monkeys just ruin everything. That's yeah. how I feel about the squirrels. Um, well, I take them I for granted. I don't like a squirrel in my house, but right. it's enjoyable to watch them from afar as they're, yes. you know, living out their little squirrel lives. I guess so. Yes. Again. I think I've gotten us off track. We were supposed to be talking <laughs> about plants, and I got off there. So you you introduced this book both because we're both gardeners. Right. And because you had a really fascinating kind of origin story about this book. Yes, this book speaks to my little heart. Um, so when – so again, it was published in 1996, and my mom read it, and – she bought copies for everyone she knew. She was, it just made, it transformed her life. Mm -hmm. And so she decided that she was going to be the Pied Piper here. Um, and she thought it should be required reading for all high school kids in this area. Because at the time, it was, it's, it's a different view of gardening. It's like a harmonious view of how to work with nature rather than fighting nature and trying to make an English garden where an English garden doesn't want to exist. Sure. Because we don't have the same climate as England. And mm -hmm. so asking plants that live there to live here is kind of a hard sell. Yeah. Um, and so Sherry Mitchell just does a really nice job of kind of um, trying to get the spirit of what is going to make you happy and what's going to be your happy place and be relaxing for you when you're outside so that you can have a, a yard or a space in the world that makes you happy. And I that just really spoke to me. And then... Hmm. So after my mom said it should be required reading and started <laughs> buying it for everyone she knew, um, when I worked at the Centerville Library, um, Sherry Mitchell called, and I was so starstruck. It Fan was girl. Totally. I completely geeked out. And she, so she called. I was a branch manager. And she called, and she said, hi, my name is Sherry Mitchell, and I'm blah, 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 blah. And I said, oh, 
oh, my God. And I couldn't remember the title of the book. And I said, you're not the Sherry Mitchell that – because I knew she was a local art author, and I yeah. knew she had at one point lived in Centerville. I said, you're not the Sherry Mitchell who wrote the Native Gardening book for the D.C. area. And she said, uh, yeah, I am. And I was like, oh, my God. I am maybe your – no, wait. My mom is your biggest fan. I am your second biggest fan. And she just didn't even know what to do with me. She was just – she was so gracious and sweet, and I was tripping over myself like I am kind of right now. I bet that when she tells that story, <laughs> it has a slightly different tone. Yes. I called the library the other day, and this lady had some problems. Crazy lady. Do not go to that library. She, she was starstruck. Yes. Which was kind, but also – I'm going to visit the Chantilly Library now. <laughs> that, that is exactly at, – at the dinner table, it was, yeah, we don't go to Centerville anymore. Let's go. Let's pick another branch. There are a lot of branches in Fairfax County. We'll, we'll pick another one. So, um, so then when I was <clears throat> trying to decide about a, a podcast book for us, um, I thought because you're a gardener and you've gone through the Master Gardener program, mm-hmm. that it might be kind of fun to talk about um, gardening and plants that we like and um, – kind of what we get out of gardening, because yeah. I, I think you and I approach gardening a little differently. You are correct. <laughs> I approach gardening not exactly within the terms of this book. Okay. So this book is all about, you know, like being one with nature mm-hmm. and letting things live where they're supposed to live. And I agree with that. But... However, I'm not going to say but because but is but is a is like a, a stopper uh-huh. conversation. Say, stopper. However, mm-hmm. um, I enjoy my dominion over mm. nature, right? So part of the part of what I enjoy about gardening is as a stress relief. Mm-hmm. So when I go out and I've got an hour or whatever, and I choose a section of space that I'm either going to remove weeds from, or I'm going to till, or I'm going to replant, or whatever. I enjoy the process of creating structure out Mm -hmm. of that space. Mm -hmm. So, like, I love a traditional English garden where Mm -hmm. it's got the neat and tidy rows. You have walkways. You have plants in specific areas on purpose because they're meant to play off of one another. I don't mind native gardening. That's incredibly important as well. Sure. Because it's better for the ecosystem. It's better for the plants and the insects that are in the community as well. Right. But I like the structure of it. Mm -hmm. And... The visceral thrill that comes from pulling out weeds that are not meant to be where I put them. Uh It's just glorious. Okay. Um, And it's a never-ending battle. Right. So you always know there will be more opportunities to get that. It's like a runner's high, right? Like you can go out and run every morning and you're feeling good. I'm not a runner. Exercise is not really my, my deal. But pulling weeds makes me happy. There is a huge sense of accomplishment when you look at so good. A, you know, the before and after. So I can get there. Yes. I can get there. I went out and trimmed. Um, so, you know, we're past the point of like fall yard cleanup. Mm-hmm. But I have some structured planting beds that are near the side of my house. And they held, still had some really active um, rosemary. Mm-hmm. And we had some salvia and a couple of other plants that were still blooming wow. up until maybe just two weeks ago. Wow. And so those we hadn't done anything with because I don't want to interrupt a space that the bees or bees and butterflies are still using. Right. But now that they're gone, oh, <laughs> I went in and had myself some fun. <laughs> We've got some um, box hedges in there as well. So I have a, a little uh, hedge trimmer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, that was fun too. 
See, a lot of people would not call that fun. That would be how oh, you have to, like... Really? Yeah. Oh. I, I mean, I, I get it. I'm, yeah. You and I are kindred spirits on that, I think. Well, what do you... What makes you appreciate gardening? I love watching the bees. Um, I, I think I'm... I don't keep bees. I know that you have kept bees in the yeah. past. Um, but I love watching them, like, when you scan kind of across the yard and you can actually see it moving because all the bees are moving. I just love that. Yeah. Um, and then we also have, I live in an older neighborhood and we have songbirds and um, I, that is joyous. And I can't, um, I don't know any of the, I can't identify any of them. I don't know the songs that they sing, yeah. um, but I just love listening to that. And yeah. I also um, love listening to the kids laughing. We, we back <laughs> up to um, two preschoolers and they have a swing set and it is just so much fun to listen to them. There's no better sound than listening to little kids truly belly laugh. So. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I will say I do enjoy that as well, that the space that we're helping to maintain mm-hmm. is supporting a whole ecosystem. Yep. That we're, we are part of something, you know, like people, humans. Yep. Uh, we have structured spaces for our needs, and we don't often think about the needs of all the other creatures in our community. Yeah. And little pieces of things that we can do to ensure that there's habitats that are welcoming to to bees and to birds and to all the critters. Like, I have turtles in my yard. Oh, wow. And um, the reason I know I have turtles in my yard is because I accidentally almost ran one over with my lawnmower one time. Oh, dear. And there was a whole little group of them under some trees. Huh. And you can find ways to support habitats for things that you would never even know are out there. I mean, some things you maybe don't want as many of. So, like, we've got what feels like dozens of blue jays right now. Oh, wow. Who They're are kind of thugs. aggressively dive bombing my window because the cats <laughs> look out the window and there's like a little, it's like the squirrels all over again, but it's cats versus blue jays. Right. Um, so you, you can also try and find ways to use nature to screen. Yeah. Um, you know, crepe myrtles are really popular in this community yep. in, in Virginia. They grow pretty fast. They have beautiful colors. They yep. come back and don't take a lot of maintenance. I mean, there's there's definitely some diseases that can affect them, but you can keep an eye out for them. And things like that are easy starting places for folks. Right. Like if you've never gardened before and you, you want some trees or you want some hedges or you want to just start with a veggie garden. Right. There's so many resources and there's so many opportunities to start something easy. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a huge full-blown thing. Like when she's talking in here about, you know, creating spaces that look – and feel the the way that you want to feel mm-hmm. that you're creating a space that makes you happy. Right. That can be so many different things. Yeah. It doesn't have to be what Christine likes. It doesn't have to be what Jessica likes. It can be what you like. Absolutely. Like, if you just want to fresh tomatoes. Yeah. Tomatoes are incredibly easy to grow. Yep. Like you, literally, you will have too many tomatoes. Right. Just stick a pot out on your backyard. Yep. You you can do it. Everyone yep. can do it. Absolutely. And I I love the things that I learned. From this book, and I think this book came to me at the right time in my life because I had just bought our first house, so I was interested in gardening, but I didn't have a whole lot of background, and I was reading a whole lot of different books, and it was, they were most of them were conventionally based, so they were plant lists that were not native to the area. Sure. And so you may struggle with it, and in this area, if you're a gardener, you know we've got clay, and so um, <laughs> yeah, it's we do. Wet and slick and slippery and really dense and backbreaking. Um, and so she talks about getting the right place, the right plant for the right place, which yes. is critical because plants are a time investment. Once you plant a tree, you don't want to have to remove it because, you know, it's working 
with the root system. And so you know me. You know I was an art major. (laughs) I completely geeked out on this, and I got graph paper, and I graphed out my yard. And I of course you did. Of course I did. And so I'm I'm hardcore serious. I'm a. It's a perfect outlet for my um, creative side and my librarian side because I hardcore research all the trees and shrubs that I want. Anything that is a perennial that's going to come back year after year after year. I put it on graph paper. I figure out what the maximum size is going to be, or not maximum, but Mm -hmm. like seven years out, eight years out, ten years out. And I graph it so that I know that I'm not planting it too close to the house. It's not going to fall on the house. It's not going to rub up against the house. It's not going to shade something else out if it's a tree and it's going to have a canopy. So Sherry Mitchell really really explained to me that this is an investment and you look long term. This is not you don't just buy something cute at the nursery and not mm-hmm. realize that it's a Leland Cypress and it's going to grow a <laughs> gazillion feet. So. Um, oh, so anyway, and then yes. some of the other points that that really stuck with me because of this book was were um, that natives want to be here. And so they require a lot less coddling once they're established. You, you need to. You need to get them, you know, settled. Yeah. Um, and you, you can't plant a shade plant in full sun, even if it's a native. Right. And assume it's going to be okay. Absolutely. They're, shade plants like shade for a reason. Right. Sun plants need sun for a reason. Yep. But natives are so much easier. Yes. They 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 want to be here, like you've said. Mm-hmm. And so once you've got them in, you don't really have to water them. Nope. You don't really have to do a ton of maintenance on them. Nope. And they will spread, which is yes. nice. Because yes. when you plant a little tiny thing... You don't want to crowd them all together. The same with trees. Right. It's not as much about canopy coverage, but eventually these things are going to get bigger and bushier. And if you want them to blend together, that's great. Right. If you want distinct plants, you need to figure out how much space these things are going to take at full size. Right. Yes. Right. And people don't do that. It's it's You really have to um, think long term. And it always breaks my heart when I see professional landscapers, like when buildings are finished and and then they haul in the folks and they roll out the um, sod and they put junipers and stuff right up against the foundation of the building. And I think, oh, wow, in two years, those are going to be just way too big and they're going to have to cut them down and move something else in there. Yeah. And that's such a shame. Yeah. So. Agreed. Agreed. Um, So you had said earlier one of your heroes was Sweet Spire. Yes. And I was thinking a little bit more about it. I think one of my favorites in this community, in this area, is uh, Monarda. Oh, yeah. So Monarda encompasses a lot of different plants, but most people think of it as bee balm. Mm -hmm. And you get these big stalks and these kind of poofy, different colored flowers on top. And as you might anticipate, bees love them. So do butterflies. Yep. And year over year, it's another one where it's beautiful because when you first put it in, it's this little tiny thing. Yeah. And it exponentially spreads every year. So I have Monarda in a couple different places, but I have it mixed with a couple of, um, oh gosh, I've got it with some basil that I plant every year, which again, Mm -hmm. is not a native, but I like basil. Sure. And the way that they intermingle, because bees love basil too. Yeah. It's just fun. It's like you created a little buffet for your buddies out in the yard. Yeah. And in my head, I recognize that this is not reality. In my head, I think if I make a nice space outside, maybe the bugs won't come in my house. Mm, you want to lure them. Mm, I want them to be happy outside. Yes. Does not work. Okay. Uh, as evidenced by the number of ladybugs in my house right now. Okay. But it still makes me feel good when I think it's about it. It's a that good way. effort. Yeah. I think I'm I trying. respect that. Yeah. 
and um, a lot of the natives, um, like Minarda <clears throat> and um, Columbine, yeah. they kind of move around. Like Columbine <laughs> self-seeds, and my mom calls it walking around the garden because oh, yeah. it's – it never comes up exactly where you planted it last yeah. year, but it replants itself, and you know the birds plant it for you. And so it just, she says, she, it just walks around the garden. And so if you're open to nature, yes. kind of being where it wants to be, it's a lovely little surprise. Oh, is this is this a callback to Jurassic Park? Life finds a way. I don't think it was. Oh, but okay. thank you for giving me credit for <laughs> that. Um, and there there's some plants out there. So natives are obviously best. But there are some plants that manage to work their way into a native ecosystem and are not invasive that yes. work out. So, like, right. I love lavender. Yes, I do, too. Lavender is not native to this area. Right. And it does not like clay soil. Right. But if you dig a big enough hole right. and you till the hole and if you add in stuff that's wiggly enough. So, like, mm-hmm. I add a little bit of gravel. Mm-hmm. So that it's got some place for the roots to go. Because yeah. in its native space, the dirt is much loamier. Yeah. And so it's easier for the roots to spread. So and it doesn't even like a lot of nutrients. No, it's, it wants it's really yucky. fine. Yeah. yeah. It's fine. It just right. needs drainage yep. and loose soil. Right. So if you if you think about where these plants are coming from and you can amend it slightly so that they can succeed here, right. they just need a chance, yep. right? Like rosemary is another good example. Rosemary yep. will grow forever. Yes, it will. Uh, I mean, you'll have to trim some of it down because there's a lot of diseases that affect rosemary, but it, it'll get huge. Right. I used to have a cat that had made little tunnels in the base of this enormous, like, eight-foot-tall <laughs> rosemary bush. And then he'd come back in the house, and it, the whole house smelled like pizza because he smelled like rosemary. Um <laughs> So there's That's hilarious. there's wonderful plants out there. It just depends on what your interests are, how you want to develop a space for yours, and how much work you want to put into it. Absolutely. Like some plants require a ton more maintenance. Like yes. if you like roses, I am not a fan of roses. Right. You need to prepare yourself for the amount of time and energy it's going right. to take to maintain those plants. And so again, that was one of the things that this book really spoke to me about because I don't want to spend a whole lot of time. I, I want to enjoy it. And yeah. I want to sit on my porch or sit in the middle of it. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not a, um, adverse to weeding like you were talking yeah. about. I think I find that kind of zen. But I want something to beautiful to look at. So I want to be surrounded by the black-eyed Susans and, yeah. and the coneflowers and, you know, all Echinacea's the other. Echinacea is so pretty. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so we have. And the other thing that I, I think we would be remiss if we did not mention is that the county has some really great um, programs for native gardening. Yes. It has a native tree program. So I got um, a bunch of little tiny saplings from Fairfax <laughs> County a bunch of years ago, and um, they are very happy in my yard. Yep. So um, if you are looking for native uh, outlets, there's also another great um, – there's a nursery called Nature by Design in Alexandria, and they sell only native plants, native to the, um, like, mid-Atlantic region. Sure. And um, and my all-time favorite resource for native plants is wildflower.org, which is a website for the Lady Bird Johnson yeah. uh, Wildflower Center. And they have a fabulous search engine that you can put in the requirements that you have um, and – they will uh, give you suggestions of plants that are native in your area. And it's fun to just browse through. Yes. Because they've got gorgeous pictures. Yes. So if it's December right, and nothing's blooming, you can just look at it and go, it's like when you get a seed catalog. You're like, ooh. So I'm a vegetable gardener. Okay. That is, that is my main gig. Yes. Because you're a 
great cook, so you use what you grow. I appreciate that. I am a growing cook. I'm a better baker than <laughs> okay. I am a cook. But, yeah, like you grow things to eat them or you can them or you make sauces. Mm-hmm. And I love that aspect of it, that the things that we are growing perpetuate themselves yeah. within ourselves. And so that's part of why I like the structure because every year I'm twisting the crops around. Like this year it was tomatoes and then the next year it's going to be beans and the place that the tomatoes were so that you're replacing nutrients. Right. And it's beautiful to me because you can see all of the birds and the bees that are coming out to help you pollinate these plants. Right. That are eventually going to become food for you. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. So in the winter, you look at seed catalogs or you look at the the Ladybird Johnson website and you go, oh, I remember flowers. (laughs) Oh, I remember those. Oh, it's going to be so pretty again. Okay, I have one more thing to say before I forget about it. Deer. 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 So um, if you, like you said with squirrels, Mm -hmm. if you don't have deer, you're like, oh, deer, yeah, that's fun. Mm -hmm. And if you do have deer, you might call them yard rats. Sure. Which I have heard many times for folks. Please be aware. Deer will eat anything. Mm -hmm. They will eat anything. So, And it just depends on what other food that they have available. Yes. So when you find plants that say that they are deer resistant or deer tolerant or, um, you know, like they've got the little cross sign, like deer won't come here. Right. It just depends on what else is available. Yeah. So I like to try and ensure that I have things that deer like that I don't care about. Mm. So they'll go for those. Yeah. And plant the stuff that you're really worried about either – up close to your house where you don't think they're going to come mm-hmm. or you can do some coverage on them but really be aware deer will chew on anything sure i mean you know if i had my option of chocolate cake or mm-hmm. artichokes yes. i would eat chocolate cake but mm-hmm. if once that's all out and yeah. the only option is artichokes yeah i'll eat them i'm sorry do you not like artichokes i don't i know there are a lot How of things wrong no about you i don't know i'm sorry i, I love art okay, disappointed you once again we can't we cannot end the podcast on this note we can't. Okay. Chocolate cake? Yes, chocolate cake. Chocolate cake is delicious. It is, in all forms. Yes. But seriously, though, so, like, <laughs> I had one year, maybe three or four years ago, where deer came and ate the berries off of a holly tree. Oh, my. And holly trees have extremely pokey, yeah. pokey, pokey leaves. You have to be desperate to want to eat. Right? Yeah. Yes. And, you know, they're animals. They need to find food. And sure. I'm not trying to say that they can't do that. But... If you plant a beautiful bunch of annuals and don't expect to get some of the flowers nibbled off, yeah. that is some hopes and some dreams you've got over there. If you have deer in your yard. Right. Yeah. And so <clears throat> I would – I guess I'm going to suggest to leave you with this. I Every year I think to myself when I have a um, – part of my yard is just um, bulbs and oh, – yeah. um, And they're native bulbs. I love and, bulbs. Yes. And – when they come back up every year, I think to myself, this is a miracle. This is just an incredible miracle that this yeah. life form has been underneath the soil, like, you know, just six waiting. inches under the soil this whole time when the weather's been awful. It's been cold and freezing and icy and all this stuff. And then it just comes up. And it is. Yeah. I just find it miraculous. And, you know, we take it for granted. And as a kid, I didn't give it a second thought. But now every year it's even more special to me. What's your favorite bulb? Ooh, what a good question. Um, I don't know. I don't know that I could decide. Oh, I've got mine. I okay. love grape hyacinths. Oh, yeah. They're so tiny. They're and so shrinky-shrinky. The I, I love them. I, I, I have found that I love um, having uh, scent. With, yeah. So, like, some of the native azaleas have a scent. Yes. And it's fabulous because I grew up in this area, and 
we get a lot of um, azaleas from yeah. uh, Japan. And they don't smell like anything. But yeah. there's a Delmarva uh, native that it, it's called, actually, it's called Mary Del, that I have that smells fabulous. Hmm. And to walk outside in the morning and be greeted with that smell just makes me happy every day of the, that it's blooming. I have a plant in my yard that smells like cherry Kool-Aid. <laughs> um, that is my favorite one. I don't know what type of, I don't know what type it is yet. Right. I will ID it at some point. It's just the cherry Kool-Aid plant. Love it. Okay. All right. Everyone's so, out there ready to garden now. Yeah, that's this was maybe not s- such great timing. Um, <laughs> so thank you for joining us on You're Making Me Read What? Even if this book wasn't your cup of tea, there are millions more where that came from. And what are you going to have us read next month? Next month we are reading The House in the Cerulean Sea by T.J. Clune. And this is a book that I stumbled upon when you had us read one of the um, self-published indie authors? Yes. Yes. And this was another um, self-pub that kind of gained some traction and some steam. Wow. It's about a man named Linus Barker. Okay. And Linus is a social worker, mm-hmm. kind of. Okay. Because it can't just be a social worker in one of my books, right? So he's... Yeah, something weird has to be afoot. Correct. So he is a social worker for the Department of Magical Youth. Uh, of course he is. You are welcome <laughs> in advance. <laughs> and it's all about his uh, moving... To help out uh, a group of special children who are under the care of a man named Arthur Parnassus. And as you might have anticipated, they're all magical youth. So it's Hmm. a little bit romance. It's a little bit magic. It's just a sweet little book. And it has a beautiful title. Yes, yes. The House in the Cerulean Sea just makes you think of crystal blue sparkling spaces. It does. And it forced me to learn how to pronounce cerulean. (laughs) Good job. You if did a you, great job. If you look at it, you're like, yeah, because there's some words that you read a lot, but right. you don't actually say out loud. Yeah. And then you realize that you don't know how to say them. Yes. 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 And that just shows me that you were not a painter growing up. That is correct. Okay. Well, we'll change that. <laughs> so don't forget, you can always grab these books and lots more at your local library. Join us next month when we will be reading The House in the Cerulean Sea by T.J. Clune. Thank you so much and keep on reading. <laughs>